Welcome to the Naturopathic Life and Living Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Francis, where I'm going to be talking about all kinds of things underneath the sun, everything that has to do with life, living, and your healthcare. So today I want to talk about control and then fear and then cultural remediation. And today's episode is actually going to be split into two different parts today. And then in a couple of weeks, I'll do the second half because there's so much information that needs to get discussed about this. It needs to be in two different episodes. The first thing I want to talk about is control. Now I've been through interpreter training and in that arena, because there's all these different fields, everybody talks about something different. They use different words. They have their own jargon for what they're talking about. However, a lot of times people don't realize that they're all saying the same thing. They're just using different words to describe a certain concept that everybody is able to visualize and everybody witnesses. So in an interpreting situation, when somebody refers to a control, it means something that happens that you have to deal with, that you need to make a decision about how to handle. So that way you can rectify a situation. Now, the thing with the control is that any action that you take can lead to another situation in which there's another aspect that you have to take care of. So anytime that you have to deal with the control, any of your actions could cause another control situation, which would make you have to act again, which basically means that anything that you do to try to fix something has consequences to it that you then have to deal with the consequences of your actions. And then you might have another situation that you have to respond to. So basically it's kind of like karma, right? Whatever you do is going to have something else happen to it. It's like basic laws of physics. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, right? So it's just constantly paying attention to what's going on so that way you can do something about it. So that way you can manage what's happening in the situation because with an interpreter, the interpreter is the one who's in charge of making sure that everything happens according to plan, which in a way is even kind of funny to say that because a lot of times when you're interpreting, it's kind of like ad lib. You don't really know what's happening. You don't really know what the people are going to be saying. You have no idea what's going to come up that you're going to have to interpret, that you're going to have to explain from one language into another. Okay, so then let's get back to controls, right? Think of it like a control panel. So the way you're operating something, how it gets managed. When you're in charge, you're the one responsible for handling how it works, right? If you're working at a machine or you're working at your computer, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, however you're managing it, you're the one that has to make sure that whatever the function is, is happening smoothly, right? So you're the one who has to make sure that, you know, it works. You're the one that's in charge. You're the one that's managing it. So whenever something happens where it's not running smoothly, you need to figure out what the problem is. You need to figure out how to get it back to functioning again. You have to be the one that makes sure that it gets fixed, right? So then whenever there's a problem and you're trying to figure out what's going on here, why is this process not working? What's the interference? What is what is causing this thing, whatever it is, to not work? Like it's a machine or an operating system or whatever. Why is it not working? Well, you have to look at it. You have to pay attention. So what do you do? Well, you watch its function, right? You have to ask yourself what seems to be the problem. What stands out? What grabs your attention? What's different? What is the thing that's happening that wasn't happening before that's causing the disruption, right? Why is this thing not functioning smoothly? And you have to look at it. The problem is, is that that thing that's standing out might not be the actual problem. That's just what's drawing your attention, showing you that there's a problem and that something's not working right. That's just a symptom of the problem, okay? That's a consequence of the problem. It's not what the problem is. It's just what you think that the problem is because that's what you see and that's what you notice and that's what you can tell is something that's not working. But that's more than likely not the thing that caused the problem. That's the consequence of the problems. Say if something in a line of gears got stuck or was running out of alignment and it caused something else to move off of its axis and then it wasn't actually turning the right way and then it ended up getting a wider spin or something like that and it caused a a gear to get loose. Well, that loose gear isn't what the problem is. That loose gear is a consequence of the problem. That's a result of the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. It's indicative of a problem, but it's not 
actually showing you what the problem actually is. The problem is something up the stream. The root cause of the problem is something that happened that you're not even aware of it because it's not screaming at you. The thing that's screaming at you is the result of a dysfunction of a system because of a problem. Okay, so that's what actually in healthcare all of our symptoms are. If you have a runny nose or if you have a pain in your neck or you know your stomach is hurting or whatever, those are the consequences to the problem. That's not what the problem is. Maybe you think that's what the problem is because that's what you notice and that's what's causing you to feel like there's a problem. But it's not actually what the problem is. It's a consequence of the problem. It's a result of something not working right. It's a problem because something's not functioning correctly. There is dysfunction. So you have a dis-ease. Something is not working smoothly. There isn't ease in the flow of a function. So it's dis-ease. It's the opposite of ease. It's that D-I-S or D-Y-S with dysfunction. It's not functioning properly. It's not easeful. Enough of the English grammar lesson. Let's go back to this concept of a machine with gears. Okay, so if what you're actually doing is trying to figure out what the problem is and you see that there are loose gears, so you tighten the gears. Okay, that's fine and it could temporarily resolve it, but that's not what the problem actually is. The problem, like I said before, is upstream. So you're going to have to look more in depth to find out what the actual problem is. So if you tighten that gear, okay, it, it could make it function for a little while again, but then there's going to be whatever that thing is up there that was happening that caused that gear to loosen up in the first place. It's just going to cause that gear to loosen up again. So it's just like putting a band-aid on something. That's what we talk about in naturopathic healthcare. We talk about taking care of symptoms as putting a band-aid on it. It's not taking care of the actual problem. It's just putting a band-aid on it. It's addressing the symptom. It's trying to figure out how to calm this system down so that way it stops screaming so that way there's no attention being drawn to the system showing where the problem actually is. When you're addressing the symptoms, it doesn't actually figure out what the problem actually is. So you're not actually addressing the cause of it, the root cause. And in naturopathic medicine, that's what we do. We look for the root cause so that way the problem gets resolved and not just put a band-aid on it to mask the symptoms so that way the symptom goes away because you don't want to deal with the problem. It takes more precision and observational awareness and skill. It takes time and it takes dedication and you have to actually pay attention. You have to actually listen. People in conventional medicine, they don't have the time to pay attention. They don't have time to listen to the story. They don't have time to find out or ask what was the preceding event that happened that occurred before this thing happened. So that's like looking on that timeline, looking upstream with those gears. So the problem appears to be that gear being loose. Okay, the problem appears to be the symptom. But what happened upline? What happened even chronologically before you got to that gear and the process of this functioning of this machinery? What happened before you got to the gear that made the gear become loose? See, the gear didn't just come loose on its own. Something happened that was a dysfunction in the first place that made that machine not run smoothly, that created the ability for something to be out of whack, which made that gear get loose. Then you noticed that the gear was loose because you realized that there was a noise or a rumbling, a bumping, some kind of vibration, something happening in this machine that grabbed your attention, that showed you that there was something wrong. So immediately people are going to think that that thing that was wrong is that gear. But the gear didn't get loose on its own. You get what I'm saying? The gear didn't get loose on its own. Something happened that was a dysfunction that caused the gear to get loose because the gear was the weakest link, right? The gear was the thing that was downstream that was a receiver of that dysfunction that could no longer function because of the disruption in the system, right? So that gear was something that was susceptible to dysfunction, which caused it to no longer be able to properly function. And that's exactly what happens in the human body. I would not refer to the human body as a machine because there are so many other things going on, but there was a time in history when the church was disconnected from the body. So they separated spirit from the body to be able to do autopsies and dissections 
and things like that to be able to advance the science of medicine. However, we've come back from that. Naturopathic doctors know that the body is not a machine. The body can run very smoothly and can function very well, but there are a lot of factors and you can't just go in and swap out parts. I mean, people do that with transplants and things like that, but because there are so many other things involved, it's not just like taking out one gear and replacing the gear. That's not really how it works. There are so many other factors going on. I actually just saw, I don't remember, I think it was on Facebook or Instagram. I don't remember which one it was. Bruce Lipton was talking about new discoveries that that he has found. And I 100% completely agree with him because if you think about it, he was referring to transplants and how a little girl got a heart transplant from another little girl. The girl who was the recipient started having these dreams that were very vivid about being murdered. And they were so intense that the little girl was very disturbed by it, as you can imagine. And they ended up going back and finding out what happened and what the what the situation of the donor was and come to find out that the little girl that had passed that was able to donate the heart that her family donated the heart for was in fact murdered. And the visions of that happening were so vivid, it allowed for the recipient little girl to be able to give details to the police to be able to catch the person who did that to the original little girl. So we're more than just interchangeable moving parts and gears. We're we're not just a, a plain basic machine. However, we are a system and we are composed of many systems and many parts that are all interconnected. And one thing going awry, one thing having a dysfunction, having a dis-ease, having a change in the vibration of its functioning is going to cause downstream something else further along in that process to dysfunction, to be able to go out of whack, to be able to loosen up, to be able to result in something that is problematic, that is so strongly affected that the person is going to know that there's a problem. So they're going to have pain or they're going to have discomfort or they're not going to have the ability to function like a muscle is going to not allow you to be able to walk or run or, you know, whatever the case may be. But again, it takes time to be able to look in the system and figure out what's actually going on, to find the stories, to listen, to see what was the thing that happened prior to you recognizing that there was this thing happening, because that's what the problem is. The problem isn't the thing happening that's causing you pain. The problem is the thing that happened before that in time, up further in the system, something that happened. In hypnosis, we call it the initiatizing event. What was the thing that happened that altered who you were that then ended up resulting in problems? And so that is what the interpreter has to do is pay attention to things that happen that end up altering the situation. They have to be able to control their environment so that way the intent and purpose of what is actually being said, the meaning behind the message of one language is able to be interpreted into the other language. Okay, so all that makes sense. Okay, now I'm going to move into fear, okay? Because fear is an insecurity and not knowing what's about ready to happen. Why? Because something is different, something has changed, and you have a memory of something bad happening in the past when something changed, when something happened that was different than what you were used to, that allowed you the ability to recognize that you don't feel safe. There's something wrong, something's different, okay? So that's fear. And fear is a way to incite in somebody, a way to control a situation. Fear is what happens when we don't know what's about ready to happen because we can relate it to something in the past that happened that hurt us. So it could be something physical. It could be emotional. It could be something spiritual. It could be something mental. Okay. So mind, body, heart, soul, it doesn't matter. Fear is a result of not understanding what to expect when you're living your life doing what you're doing. So something happens, something changes, something's different. Something is a dysfunction in the system. There is a disruption. Your life is this system that's not running smoothly anymore. Something happened that's causing you to pay attention. It's 
control. It creates the need to recognize something that is not functioning correctly, something that's different. So if we go back to our control panel, then what are we doing? We have to go back and we have to look and see like, okay, hold on, something's not working right. What's going on? Look in that system of that machine, all these different gears. What's the problem? Where do we go back? It's the insecurity of being able to know what to expect when you are expecting everything to run smoothly and then something happens that disrupts it and not wanting or knowing how to deal with that disruption in order to be able to continue on running smoothly. So then fear isn't actually the problem. Fear is a recognition of a symptom of a problem and that could actually create anxiety too if you can't figure out what the root problem is or how to resolve it, how to get resolution, how to fix the problem. If all you can see is the result of something happening and that's what's creating a fear in you because you don't know what actually needs to be fixed. You don't know how to get out of the situation. You don't know how to change it. You don't know how to make it go back to it running smoothly. You don't know how to make your mind be able to feel safe so that way you can operate smoothly in that system of your life. So if you look at relationship dynamics and people, instead of looking at it as a machine, you look at it as a community. Whenever there's a problem in the system, you know, what does that mean? Okay, so in a community situation, in a social situation, whenever there's a problem, whenever there's dysfunction, there's a disruption, then what does that look like? That's our gear, right? It's somebody speaking out. It's somebody saying something. It's it's something happening that's drawing attention away from the smooth operation, the, the smooth, happy-go-lucky conversation or dynamic of everybody getting along. Okay, so it's the same exact thing. That person who's being in disruption is not the problem. They're what looks like the problem. They're the gear, right? So something happened before that disruption that created the need for that person to feel that a disruption was necessary to be able to draw somebody's attention to the fact that there is a problem, okay? The disruption is not the problem. Although if a manager is looking at the situation and they think like, okay, everything was running smoothly, everything was fine until, you know, there was this obnoxious situation happening, there was this disruption, so let's just get rid of this disruption. Well, swapping out the gear might not be the problem. The problem more than likely is not the gear. So yeah, you want to stop what immediate thing is happening. In the machine, you're going to turn the machine off. You're going to stop running the machine. So then you're going to have to take the time to figure out what the problem is. Well, the same thing in a social situation. You need to disarm the problem. So yeah, calm the person down, remove them or needs to be necessary. But the person's not the problem. The problem is something that happened upstream. And the disruption in the function of this situation happened before. Like that person who's being a disruption is a consequence of the problem. They're not actually the problem because people don't just randomly start being problems just for the fun of it. Something happened to make them be able to have an outburst or for something to happen that interfered with whatever. The person who is in control, the one who's in charge, the one who has to manage that social situation is the one who has to investigate and take the time and look and see like what the actual problem is. The problem with that is that normally, how do you figure out what a problem is? You look and you see what's different. So what is causing this to not function? So you look at the social norms, you look at the cultural expectations, you look and see what normally happens and then whatever is happening different than that is what people want to say is the problem because that's what they see is different. So people automatically reach out and grab whatever the problem is to get rid of the problem. That's just swapping out a gear. That's not the problem. The problem is something that happened that made whoever that person was that was susceptible to that problem to be able to react in such a way that made it apparent that there was a problem in that situation. Does all that make sense? Okay, so all of this now is bringing me to the situation of a few weeks back. I went to a class that lasted over the weekend. As an interpreter, sitting in the audience, even though everybody was speaking English, everybody has a different culture, right? It goes on a on a global scale, right? So even in just a community where everybody looks the same, everybody has the same religion, everybody wears the same clothes, everybody makes the same amount of money. I mean, this culture does not exist anymore, but I'm just saying for like the purpose of being able to say 
say something. If you had an environment where everybody looked the same, everybody acted the same, everybody talked the same, everybody wore the same clothes, everybody had the same amount of money, everybody always did the same exact thing all the time, there still are going to be differences. If you go to a basic community and you overgeneralize and you say that everybody is the same, when you take that system, that community, and you put it into larger ones, okay, let me say this. I teach, okay? So I teach little kids. I go to different schools. They're all in basically the same area, except there's a huge difference from school to school in the community of the way that the kids are treated, the attitudes about how the schools expect the, the different rules, things like that. Everything is different. And so even though these schools might be in the same district or they might be in the same county or they might be in the same state, they still vary in the, the social aspects and the expectations in between each school, which is something that I never really thought of before I started teaching. There could be two different schools that are maybe 15 miles apart from each other and they have a completely different social expectation and a completely different feel, a completely different dynamic, a different way of teaching, a different philosophy on the way that children should behave, the way that children should be talked to, the rules and expectations of behavior on both sides for adults and kids. It's it's extremely diverse and, and vast. And I never really thought about that before I actually started teaching in this type of capacity. So it just made me think and wonder like, oh my gosh, there's such a huge difference and expectation of behavior in each of these different schools. And they're not even, they're not even in communities that are that far away from each other. So imagine the possibility of the expectations of differences and social norms and, and ways of accepting that people are supposed to act and respond and all of those kinds of things on a larger scale. So even just comparing it. So if I'm talking about school to school in the same district, and then what about in different districts? What about in different states and then different countries? And then, oh my gosh, you know, taking this global with the internet, we're able to interact with people across the entire world. So it's easy to see that there could be misunderstandings. There could be reasons why people can't understand something that somebody else does or something that somebody else says. And then if you go back to your situation with a control panel or you go back to the system, something's not working, right? Something is standing out. Well, what's the person going to do? They're going to say, well, what's different in the situation? Well, it could be somebody that looks different, somebody that talks different, somebody that didn't grow up in their community, somebody that they don't know very well. Then that's the person who ends up being the problem. Well, that's not really what the problem is. The problem is something that happened before that. So maybe it's just a different perspective. Maybe it's just that people grew up different and they say things in a different way that, you know, other people don't understand what that means. So let's say, for example, I've learned a few different languages and, you know, just looking at the English language, how many different ways can you refer to the concept of a person who raised you? You could say a female who birthed you, your caregiver that was a female, you know, that's mom or mama or mommy or mother, or, you know, there's all these different words just in the English language alone that people use to refer to that female parent or parent figure, right? So even just trying to describe it, I can't even just put it into one word. I have to use multiple words to be able to say it. So just imagine the possibility of all of the different words in different languages that refer to that concept, right? And so if it's possible that there could be so many different ways to describe something, so many different words that can be used even in one language alone, then the vast majority of the world and all of their different languages and then all the different dialects of all the different languages. How many different ways is there to say, to make a reference of a word that represents, words are just symbols anyways, that represent concepts that everybody knows. That's why I was talking about jargon and things like that is because different fields have their own special words that refer to different concepts. The problem with that is that all these different fields don't know that those concepts exist in the other fields and that those fields have their own words to refer to it. It's just the, the evolution of that field. And so just like referring to what I would say, a mom or a mother or a mommy or, you know, whatever, 
whatever, um, whatever word you choose for that. Other cultures would use a different word, like maybe somebody would say madre or mudre or mami or the like. So it's necessary to not jump to conclusions to try to figure out a quick way to resolve a problem, to be able to reset a system because of a dysfunction. Because if all you're doing is putting a band-aid on something, you're not really taking care of the problem, the problem is going to continue. The way that we manage that in an interpreting situation is called cultural remediation. All right, everybody, that ends our episode for today. I hope you were able to get some helpful information to be able to live more naturally. So if you like what I had to say today and you found it beneficial or helpful, please go ahead and share. And if there's anything going on where you need to find a naturopathic doctor or for any reason you need somebody to talk to, please go ahead and call me. You can find me online at canassist.me. That's C-A-N-N-A-S-S-I-S-T dot M-E. This is Dr. Francis saying enjoy, have fun, and until next time. Yeah.